Residential Lighting Specialist to Arc Residential Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today. On this week's podcast, Jamie Briesmeister joins us from St. Louis, where she is CEO and co-founder of Integration Controls, a company that provides well-hidden technology and connected living through smart home automation. It's Women's History Month, so I've chosen to finish out March with interviews of powerful female business owners. And while Jamie is, in fact, a prior guest of the podcast, since her last appearance 15 months ago, two really cool things have happened for her. She was appointed as the first female vice chairperson of CEDIA, the Global Industry Association for the Custom Home Technology Industry. Jamie was also named a 2022 St. Louis Titan 100, a program that recognizes her city's top 100 CEOs and C-level executives. According to Titan, these are the area's most accomplished business leaders in their industry, demonstrating exceptional leadership, vision, and passion. Jamie is a good friend, an excellent role model, and from what I can tell, a pretty great boss. I'm happy to welcome her back to the podcast. Jamie Breesmeister, thanks for joining me again today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here always. It's great to see you. Great to see you too. Last time you were on the podcast, it was a great conversation. We did our thing where we go back to what you're like as a kid and how you made your way into the industry and some of your business philosophy. But we got off the podcast and being that it was January 6, 2021, which was my daughter's 15th birthday, she's 16 now, but it was also that horrible day in DC. And I'm hoping that after we get off the podcast today, that uh, as we look back at our phones, that world events are just as crazy as when we started and nothing else has happened. Right. Like, I don't want to be known for bringing bad luck or anything. I know. I know. It's like, why? how could I go from such a pleasant conversation (laughs) with such a great person to like this mess? The world is Um, juxtaposed, right? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, I I did want to congratulate you on your um, appointment to the executive committee uh, for CEDIA. Um, being the first female vice chairperson and highest ranking woman in the history of CDS board is, is quite the accomplishment. Um, I think that previously, um, as my research was not super great, but I remember Marilyn Sanford being, um, one of the higher ranking, uh, CD board members over the years. She was the yeah. owner of La Scala in Vancouver, Canada, and yep. I believe she was a treasurer at the highest point. Yeah. Um, and she so, was an, uh, she was a kind of an icon of mine. I didn't really know that mm-hmm. when I found La Scala as a company, that um, I, I saw them first. They had won an award or were printed in a, a publication, and I was like, I want to be them when we grow up. Like that is that's that's what I want to be. And I had no idea that it was run by women. So oh I wow! That was really interesting when I found that out. And uh, yeah, she had been on the executive committee at some point in time. Um, mm-hmm. But, or not? Yeah, yeah. I just don't know exactly what position she's at. So I guess. Yeah, I believe I believe I I, I was able to <laughs> kind of track down those treasure, mm-hmm. but um, but not to toot your own horn. I know that that that's not what you're in this for. But how important do you think it is in our male-dominated industry to be able to show, um, for one thing, other women that it's possible to reach this level of influence in the industry, and maybe just as important to have a female voice near the top of the industry that traditionally 
um, has been more male perspectives, even though typically 50% of the client base is female, I would guess, being right. <laughs> husbands and wives and that sort of thing. Yeah. So th- those are a couple of questions for you in one, yeah. but what, what do you think? You know, uh, at first I would like to say, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. I'd like you, I don't really toot my own horn. Um, but in, in a lot of ways it does, you know, I had, um, I won a volunteer of the year award and was then, in, you know, uh, Amanda Wildman came and introduced herself to me and a few, you know, a few others and Tom Doherty's daughter as well. And through that, uh, it did kind of show me like, it's important to be seen, um, to show other women, uh, young women, women who are established, et cetera, that were either continuing, you know, to carry the torch, um, for those that have gone before us or that we're there to, to hold our hands out to those women and young folk that are behind us. Um, or coming, just coming into the industry. I never really um, set out to win these awards for those reasons, but at the same time, when you get a chance to uh, have a minute on stage and share a little bit, whether it's a virtual stage like this uh, or you know in person, I think it is important to really show other people that with, um, with hard work, anything's possible. It doesn't really matter what your gender is. And, in this world, there have been some maybe additional struggles because I am a woman, but at the same time, there are different struggles because I'm a woman in other parts of the world and, and you know, likely for men in other parts of the world too. So um, I do, I think it is important at the same time to have a voice uh, at a high level on the executive committee for CEDIA um, because of the science and the statistics behind having women in leadership. You know, it's it's kind of beyond um, just the feel goods of helping women see that it's possible, but truly leads to better decision-making, uh, deeper and different perspectives. Uh, and studies have shown across the board that uh, an equal board in all forms, whether it's executive or what have you, any kind of group composed of, you know, diversity is really a group that works best. So it's exciting to be a part of that, especially for CDO. Well, last week's guest on the podcast, which uh, as we're recording now is our current guest, um, is Melanie Niemerg, um, owner of Integral Systems in Clearwater. Yeah. And uh, we we kind of discovered each other on LinkedIn, and I saw comments back and forth with your peer group, really, of female leaders in the industry. I would say that uh, she not only name checked you, and well, she 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 named you and Heather Sidora, which is two people who had influenced her and helped her in some just moral support kind of situations yeah. and different questions she had. Um, and like I said, I see you, you guys posting and kind of cheering each other on on LinkedIn. And I just wondered, um, it, it, that network's got to be great. You, you have meetings from time to time, just a virtual type of thing, right? Where you talk to each other about industry stuff. Yeah. And sometimes it's really ad hoc. Like uh, if there's an issue that one of us has come up with, it's a phone call. Hey, I need to work through this. And just like any, any any business owner would, it's not specific to being a woman in the industry. Maybe it is, you know, um, a lot of us work with our spouse. So sometimes there's those kinds of questions. Um, but beyond that, 
um, <clears throat> it's it's great and it's great to cheer each other on. Um, I think before uh, KBiz, Melanie had it was her first time to be on stage and introduce a few people and. You know, we all get the squirrelies whenever that happens when it's our first time. So it's just nice to have support from people that have been there before, you know, in any kind of environment. Uh, I would hope that guys do that for each other as well, you know, in the industry, support each other and, you know, give pats on the back where they're due. And um, I know it certainly helped me to have my own kind of insider tribe. You know, I have the people that I work with in my company. I have 13 people, one of which is another woman, but we don't work day to day in and out all the time together. Uh, so we are kind of our own, you know, little microcosm in this world of men. Uh, and it's nice to have other women in the industry to reach out to just as just friends, really, more than anything. Um, right. to kind of bounce ideas off of or say, um, in particular, coming up on Capus, I had I was late to create a presentation. I was really nervous about it. And I told Katie, um, our mutual friend, Katie Bennett, I said, you know, my imposter syndrome is kicking in hard. <laughs> and I am just not finding the energy. And I, I am starting to sabotage. And she kind of helped me kick that crap to the curb, you know, mm. and get motivated to move past it. And, you know, um, I feel a little vulnerable saying that, but at the same time, I think we all have that, you know, and yeah. uh, I just happened to have someone I could reach out to that I knew felt similarly at times and I knew would be there to support me. And she was. And it's awesome. Yeah. Speaking of vulnerability, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I had a very strong role model and my, my mom growing up, um, she, she raised me um, as a single mom, even though my dad and I are super close and, I saw him every week, you know, from a day-to-day -day standpoint, I had a very strong female um, presence in my life. And so I tend to, when I talk to women at events, I tend to be more relaxed than I am against guys who I feel like I'm almost doing that imposter thing with, yeah. like, I'm not a guy guy. Um, and it was interesting. I was talking to Katie Bennett, uh, emailing back and forth, I think maybe even uh, setting up uh, this interview because she's working with you on stuff. And, uh, she said that some, something had came up about <clears throat> how she would get stressed out and get migraines at shows. And one time it was just debilitating where she was just basically going back to her room when she couldn't function and connected with me just to set up a meeting and said, I'm sorry, I'm not really doing well today. And I told her I have the same problem. I mean, every time I go to a show, or at oh. least in the past was that stress would trigger it. And it was a lot of social anxiety and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it's something about being able to admit that, acknowledge that, that helps you get past it and mm -hmm. prepare for that next thing. And um, Melanie was talking last week on the podcast that uh, she was talking to you all about this book about saying yes, I think yeah. it was called and how that's been her philosophy for the year since that, that topic came up and it's leading to so many things for her. It's yeah, yeah. Uh, just one one yes leads to another yes and it's just yeah. about not being too intimidated or scared to do try something yeah absolutely. you know so that, so, that kind of peer-to-peer -peer stuff just sounds like it's so it's so helpful you know we do we um we as people put a lot of self-limiting beliefs on our on, on ourselves i mean we, we do and um certainly in this industry where we're coming at it from 
you know, many of us completely different angles for different reasons than, than many others, you know, um, it is nice to connect, share books, share resources, share the little tips and tricks that can help you get through a barrier that either you put on yourself or that you feel is, you know, in the world, um, in general. And some of it is really just getting out of your own head too. And having the support there to say, yeah, you should get out of your own head because you're really a badass and you can do so much more if you just get out of your way and step into your light. And that's, um, you know, for a lot of us, that's been kind of a challenge. We came into this to help our husbands with their businesses, not necessarily be the leader in the company. And that transition uh, takes time within your own company for that culture shift. Um, for it to really kind of be felt and and make it feel real, truly. And uh, if anything, the pandemic kind of is what smacked me upside the face enough to say, no, this really is yours to lead. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know. Um, so what what happened? What what was it during that time period? I mean, we've all gone through it. But yeah. What what was it that that really changed your um, thought? Well, you know, my therapist told me that it's okay to just do enough, Mm. you know, because I needed to just do enough for a little while. But then I just kind of did just enough for a little too long, maybe. (laughs) 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 Okay, candidly. Uh, And I had a member on my team who was challenging me at every minute, you know, and, and uh, every step of the way. And in some ways, uh, combatively and not necessarily in a healthy way, right? Um, but also in ways that really challenge me to grow outside of my comfort zone, um, it, <laughs> to, to be a better leader because uh, he was pushing me to either fail or fly. And I wasn't going to fail, you know? Mm. I wanted to do everything I could to really make it right. And he was creating good challenges along the way, you know, um, to make that so. And, uh, you know, in some ways, um, a challenging employee can really teach you a lot. And it's not so much he was challenging, just wasn't quite the right fit for us long Mm. term. But really good fit for us. Taught me a lot of lessons. Um. Yeah, that's interesting. So it was it was not an intentional challenge. It's just the no, way he was acting. Maybe he thought maybe he, they were intentional to him. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> but um, but more that uh, you know questions. You know, as we're growing, I thought certain things were pretty crystal clear. Um, but then he would kind of spotlight some ambiguity in our processes, in our in who did what, in um, accountability. And I'm like, okay, uh, all right, you're right. We need to, you know, dot our I's and cross our T's. I thought in certain ways our quality was at a level, and it was in many ways with certain members of our team, but not all. Hmm. And I didn't really know that, that we had uh, a heavy load really was on some team members and not so much on others. So, um it's not always easy to look at your team and people that you really like and care about and go, Oh no, you really need to find another future because mm. you're not cutting them over here. <clears throat> so 
Um, so it was that, you know, it was, it was in a way, uh, he, he had come out of a, a much larger company and I think, you know, we had been building our company to be bigger, uh, to be more transparent, more clear, you know, more, uh, written down process oriented so that we could hand it, you know, in some way, hand him a manual and say, okay, here's your job. Let's go. And have it not be like it typically is in our industry where, you know, it's all just, you know, a little bit of chaos with each new person that you hire. So, um, well, how much, how much of a challenge is it? And this is going to be carefully worded (laughs) because I don't want it to come out the wrong way, but when you have been the support person for your husband in a, in a company ownership structure, so therefore you're maybe, and, and being female, and this isn't the case for everybody, but you're not out in the field necessarily doing right. the work in the attic and the basement and stuff like that. What um, are you missing out in the field? How how much is it about learning, okay, I need to have the structure in place where the, there's that manager in the field that is my eyes and ears and saying mm-hmm. this is not working here, okay. it is working really well here. And that's part of that learning curve of that observation that he made, like he's he's giving you the hard truth of it. Yeah. You think that that system is good, but out in the world, it's not working as well as maybe you thought it was or something. Yeah. 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 And that's it. It's like, okay, well, you know, maybe we really need to focus on how we're deploying these systems, what products we're using. Um, Do we have the right programmer on board? Do we, you know, certain things like that. Um, Because as a custom integrator, you'd have access to so many things and you want to create with all of these tools, but that doesn't always mean that by doing so, you create a good, solid, reliable, profitable system at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've learned that through time, but sometimes, you know, just because we've learned it and we know that, uh, we're still met with something, maybe a, a, an opportunity, a, a certain particular client system that needs a tweaky thing that doesn't fit our norm. Um, and I guess that was happening a few more times than I'd realized, you know, I think part of it was, uh, not necessarily verifying whenever you, um, delegate. And it mm. was that part that I had not really paid as much attention to as a leader. I would delegate and assume that it would be done correctly. And instead of assuming that's where we got, you know, I got into some, you know, learning lessons um, that you need to delegate and verify, uh, especially as you grow. And I kind of um, just trusted that my team knew the direction, but they needed more guidance than than I gave them. And conversely, um, as we grew and those managers, they didn't really always know how to manage other people too. And so that's uh, constant learning. Um, we yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's a fine line between um, micromanaging and and just yeah. yeah checking in on folks and making yeah. sure everything's working. Yeah, it's yeah. a that's a tough balance. It is, and we were told by our EOS coach, which we started during the pandemic, and it's it, what it has been the thing that really helped provide good structure and what have you for our meetings and and goal setting and that sort of thing. Um, but it was it was exactly that. It was needing to um, needing to align, uh, needing to identify those key values 
that really keep and drive us as integration controls. And delegating is great, but you know, making sure to circle back and verify. And um, that was a piece that we had just kind of all kind of, you know, I think we just grew a little quicker and didn't check in. <laughs> and it wasn't right. detrimental. I mean, there were just, you know, certain projects, certain things that just don't go the way you want, right? And we all have them. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, well, we will continue our conversation with Jamie Briesmeister after the break. Do you want superior smart home automation at a great value? Shelly Wi-Fi relays by Alterco Robotics cover DC to line voltage, allowing you to control lights, outlets, appliances, garage doors, pumps, and much more. There are Shelly sensors and power measurement devices to help you measure temperature, humidity, lux, or motion, and electrical consumption from single wire to three phase with neutral. You can use Shelly with a licensed driver for Control 4, Elon, or other premium systems, as well as your customer's existing hub, voice assistant, or any platform that accepts REST, MQTT, or CoAP. Shelly can make IoT very easy. Available now at Blackwire, City Electric Supply, and Worthington, or at ShellyUSA.com. Welcome back. We're talking with Jamie Briesmeister, CEO and co-founder of Integration Controls in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, Jamie's shifting away from some of the leadership topics and um, more into something that uh, I kind of just want to hit on before we move back into more company conversation and industry uh, observations. But you're um, at a, a unique role, as we said, at, at Cedia being uh, in the executive team there. Um, what about uh, Cedia should folks know is happening right now? I know we just we we're, we're really in the early stages of our new CEO Daryl Friedman, who you helped get hired there, and I think he was a great pick. Is from what I can observe, um, most people in the industry don't really care about the inner workings of CD as an organization, <laughs> but I think that it's such an important thing to realize it's going on. You know that there's stuff that's going on behind the scenes that's benefiting them, whether they're a CDA member or not. Yeah. What, what's what's important right now in the current state of CD as an organization as we get past pandemic as being such a pri priority focus and more into just let's move ahead, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. What should we know? Well, uh, you touched on a key element. We have a new leader, Daryl Friedman, uh, who has come into the association. Uh, he was on the fringe before um, being part of the, the Grammys and what have you, but under his leadership, I feel it's important for any CDM member and anyone in the home technology business, really, to know that um, that CDIA is out there as an advocacy force for the entire industry itself. And that means education, that means governance, that means all kinds of things. Recently, there was, there was an initiative in Texas that had it passed many integrators, CDA members and not, uh, would have been unable to work the next day. Mm -hmm. So uh, certain things in governance and advocacy uh, that are happening in Capitol Hill are really important to how we function our business on a day-to-day, -day, whether it's uh, union-related, um, uh, electrical-related, um, there's uh, electricians that we tend to combat with, in certain mm -hmm. markets and other markets, they tend to be very collaborative. 
so, but Cedia is out there working on behalf of the entire industry. And I think that's really important to know that that $500 fee or whatever it is that you pay um, goes to support an organization that's doing more than just, you know, um, creating standards, which is really important, uh, doing more than educate, educating the design build community, which is really important. Uh, they're out there making sure that we can actually continue to work. And that's something I think most people truly don't know about the association itself. Um, you know, they see the awards and some of the, you know, online education and all of that's fantastic, but it means nothing if we can't actually go to work and do um, our trade, our craft. Yeah. And that, that's an area that I, I've always felt was the most important, the government affairs um, part of it. And the fact that it's still the same issues that are getting batted down with yeah. like legislation many years ago. I mean, I was talking about this 20 years ago, we were having these conversations that's still coming up in state legislators, I guess. Um, and it's maybe because electrical is a bigger, well-known organization, and yeah, um, and because technologies are, technologies are changing too, and they're feeling threatened. I mean, lighting technologies, mm -hmm. uh, power to a home, uh, their their the whole their whole infrastructure and the electrical trade is challenged in some way that. They either need to uh, adapt and start learning some more intelligence as part of their, uh, you know, pulling Romex and swinging a wire. Now you need to learn how to break out a laptop and configure a system mm -hmm. uh, where typically that's not what they're used to. So um, that's where we come in and that that put, that creates a threat to their industry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of people are looking at it like, well, let's create legislation that then, you know, allows these people to work and not those people. Uh, ideally, we should all work together, and, yeah. you know, create a, some kind of standard where we all can move forward with. And that's part of what CDA has done with their CIT program and their ISD, getting an ANSI and ISO certified, uh, trying to create a criteria that can at least say, well, if you say that, you know, electricians have to have this or that somebody has to have this certification to run wire, then this should equate to that. And therefore, uh, it's a non-issue at that point in time. Um, but it's a, you know, crawl, walk, run, and it really depends on the states and um, what happens at a national level, too. And so CEDIA is watching that constantly, uh, which is, you know, exhausting in some ways. But also really certainly needed for, like I said, for any of us to actually go to work. Um, we wanna make sure that that there aren't any kind of governmental regulations that prevent that one day just because we happen to miss a vote, so. Yeah, that's that's pretty pretty scary. Yeah. We we um we had Patrick Laidlaw um on oh, yeah. from uh yeah you know him from yeah, from, from WAC uh, mm -hmm. yeah and yeah. he really illustrated the way that partnership could work ideally between electricians and integrators who are doing lighting, mm -hmm. and and I think um that that is such a learning curve for our industry just to understand how to not look like an, a threat, but to look like a partner with an electrician and say, hey, you, there's part of this that I'm just not going to do that you have to do. And the part that is probably not something you're ready to do yet, I'm ready to do and learn how to do it and trained on it. Yeah. Um, 
and we'll give you the money that you would have had because you're not, you know, it's all about the money and not losing some of that, that, that income for them. And not losing face too, you know, not, not making it look like you're ignorant, like the electricians are ignorant and we're coming in like we're, you know, smart. Oops, sorry. That's okay. If you need to edit that out here, we might need to. <laughs> no, you're, you're <laughs> fine. Let it go for a minute. <laughs> it's, it's real life. We we have real life on on podcasts. So everybody's used to it. Um, but so, how about integration controls? Are you doing lighting now as well? Uh, the stuff that we've been doing for a long time in this industry. Uh, well, we've been doing lighting control for a long time in the industry, sure. and yeah, and lighting fixtures have been uh, certainly an area that we've been looking at for a long time. Um, they, this might be going on for a little while, honestly, there's, I think there's a dog like challenging mine outside. That's so. <laughs> okay. Anyway. It's not, it's not terrible. You're fine. So, um, but no, we've, we have been asked so many times in the past couple of years, do you guys do landscape lighting? We're like, mm. no. And, and then these amazing manufacturers are coming up with great products and solutions. And I know we can do it. It's more about, I don't know, being scared to pull the bandaid off and just, you know, make it happen. So um, we have our own project. A friend of mine is interested in uh, some lighting as well. So I like to beta test on, you know, us and others to make sure we have our process and our pricing down. So we, you know, don't sell something that's going to be a disaster. Not that we would. Um, What I think is pretty awesome uh, are that manufacturers are helping in the design and pricing concept for, you know, getting us started. And that certainly helps a lot, Um, knowing that they'd be there to uh, back up their product and their solution um, with products like WAC and others. It's been really nice. We just came back from ProSource a couple of weeks ago where you and I saw each other right as the pandemic, I think, shook down a couple of years ago. Um, and, uh, tons of lighting products were being shown there and, uh, really, really fascinating ones that I actually came back, even spoke to a few designers, a couple of electricians and said, Hey, what are you guys seeing in the industry and and how can we make some of these solutions happen together? Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, the conversation's starting and and I think it's to, to that point of working with an electrician is finding someone that wants to do a certain part of their work and not the other, and then just collaborating with them, making it win-win, you know, whether it's however the money flows. Uh, A lot of times it's just referral, saving face, making sure that you don't look ignorant and providing a really great solution at the end. Um, At least that's kind of where I'm finding our market is landing. Well, one of the points that Patrick made when we talked and when I saw him at the lighting conference a week earlier from that was that uh, outdoor is a great way to get your foot kind of in the door with lighting um, installation. And that doesn't intrude on the electrician at all necessarily because it's all low voltage outside. So mm-hmm. it's really just about whether you want to get in the dirt or not. And and if, you, if you're doing outdoor audio, it's sort of a similar thing. Um, just a little more design, you know, different design features than you would have from the audio. So it, it's it's an opportunity there um, for, for sure. What I was going to ask you, though, as far as other um, technology trends, um, what what is out of the pandemic, we had a lot of need for better networks. And I think, you know, I've talked about that already. But um, other than that, uh, what, what do you see as sort of lasting um trends if you want if um or or just uh 
where the industry seems to be going from your perspective as uh, as an integration company, what clients are really interested in, where you're building systems. Um, do we go back to any dedicated home theaters still, or is yeah. it still a lot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that is a, a trend that I have seen. Definitely, we have had more requests for home theaters in the past six months, truly, than we probably have in our seventeen years of business. Mm-hmm. Now, um, maybe that's because we're doing a little bit different in marketing. I don't, but I really don't think so because I do the marketing and I'm not really hitting on that too much. Um, mm-hmm. It's, you know, we're, we're an integration company. Home theaters have always been a part of what we can and do design, build out, et cetera. But we don't, we're not the home theater company. We're not, you know, um, that's not what we lead with. So when they come to us, typically it's because the homeowner has already wanted one. Uh, With that in mind, uh, like I said, the increase has spiked tremendously over the past six months to the point to where we've had clients fly to uh, California to listen to some uh, demo spaces that we don't have available here um, set up right now. Uh, PAT and theory are kind of the lines that we're really uh, keyed up about right now and um, have a couple of those already lined up, which is pretty amazing. Um, the just overall upgrades to the home itself, really, uh, Wi-Fi for sure. That's kind of a given. Um, but just in general, just little tweaky updates, even down to um, I had a client reach out recently and just say, you know, I really want to cut the cord and get more apps on my TV. Can you help out there? Mm-hmm. Um, people are just trying to maximize what they have, especially as they wait for product to come in and their if their projects are stalled. Um but home theaters are definitely a big one. It's kind of exciting to see. You know, yeah, that, that's the fun stuff the, of our industry. Yeah, isn't it, it is. I came into the industry, you know, about 17 years ago, and home theaters were big-ish, but then it was also kind of turning into open floor plans and media rooms and things that were not quite dedicated. So um, it's neat. And now we have new products, uh, especially like with Atmos. That wasn't around when I came in, so... Uh, it's nice to relearn and have some new new ways of going about system solutions that we can sell people. It's exciting. And do you look at really large uh, direct view TVs or do you have like flat panel TVs or do you do a two-piece system in those cases, like a projector? I, I would love to do direct view LED, but the price tag's really high. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the technology is still a little newish for people to feel comfortable. When they hear direct view LED, they think of that one time they saw it at one place and it had a whole thing of LEDs out. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, they, sure. that's immediately what they picture the Jumbotron and the Cardinal Stadium that has a, you know, a row of pixels that might be out or mm-hmm. um, whatever video wall. Um, and they don't want that perceived service headache. Um, and since I haven't done one, I can't guarantee what the service is or isn't. I can yeah. only tell you what my manufacturers tell me. And we all know that isn't necessarily always true. So um, right now we talk about it. We've bid out quite a few, um, but it's more two-part still, um, mm-hmm. two-part projection, uh, hidden hidden display. So hidden screen, maybe a, a somewhat hidden projector. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, um, 
short throw projection screens, like pretty impressive these days. Yeah. Really, really impressive for uh, kind of a, a lower budget or, a, you know, um, specific need in a room if you only have so much space. It's right. they're pretty impressive, I have to say. And that gives you up to what size screen typically with that uh, short throw? I think it kind of depends on, you know, how far away really you want from the wall, but you can get a screen up to 120 plus inches. Right. And that saves yeah. you having to have um, a projector out in the room. It's just yep. right up there. That, that That's a, interesting to hear. I, I'm, I'm always curious to see how well those are sort of taking in the industry. We get a lot of press releases on them and I just yeah. don't know where they fit in. So yeah, that's... you know, um, we've, we've now looked at a couple of them that we're really, you know, wanting to promote. And one of the things that's, you know, growth opportunity for us is, you know, a new showroom, a new office at some point in time. And I have a space where I want to showcase that so people know it's an option. Um, we'll probably do so in the way we normally do. We'll build it into something and make it hidden still and really nice. Um, so you won't even really know what it is, but um, I think that'd be cool too. <laughs> well, well, definitely. I, I really, um, appreciate those insights and, and really great to hear about your, you know, moving up the ladder with Cedia and your accolades there locally. Uh, I, and I hope that 2022 is a great year for you, Jamie. It's great talking to you. Thanks so much for taking the time out Thank today. You. It's always great to chat with you and I appreciate the time. Jamie Breesmeister is CEO and co-founder of Integration Controls in St. Louis, Missouri. You can learn more about her company at integrationcontrols.com. That wraps up today's show. If you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the weekly podcast on your preferred platform and consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at the magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the bi-monthly print or digital magazine and to our Tuesday and Friday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell. Residential tech